0: God is at work in our lives and our church family. God is answering our prayers. God is blessing our lives. God is deepening our relationships. God is guiding our steps. God is increasing our faith. God is meeting our needs. We need to recognize God's work in us, through us, and around us. We need to rejoice in God's work in us, through us, and around us. As the psalmist said, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. One of the ways God is at work in our church family is God is raising up ministers and servant leaders from within our church family. And I want to ask Danny Silva if he would come up here with me uh, this morning for just a few moments. Yes, yes. Uh, Danny has recently graduated from Lone Star High School, and he will be attending Moody Bible Institute Uh, This fall in Chicago, Uh, Danny is the son, the oldest son of Daniel and Magdalena Silva. Daniel is our CRC and Espanol pastor, and uh, they are highly involved in our ministries and leadership in our church family. They have been. Diego is his younger brother, and Danny uh, has recently been sharing with me, and we have been talking, and he shared that uh, recently he has surrendered his life to full-time Christian ministry. Yes. Yes. Uh, God has placed his call on his life and Danny has accepted that call and he is uh, now following the Lord in that call. So I want to ask his parents, uh, Daniel Magdalena, if you'll make your way up here as well. And uh, I just wanted Danny to come up here and share with you his church family as one of our own. And I want Danny to share with you briefly how God placed his call on his life uh, into ministry.
1: Uh, Like we like to say in uh, Crossridge in Espanol, buenos dias familia de Crossridge. Uh, First and foremost, I want to thank God because nothing that Pastor Mark said would have been possible without him. And I want to say thank you to Pastor Mark for letting me come up here and share with you guys how God called me into ministry. Before I came to Crossridge, I was frustrated with God. I had previously been attending a local church's youth ministry where I thought I felt at home comfortable, and I felt none of the pressure of being the pastor's son. In the span of about a year, my frustration quickly became love as the Lord showed me what a godly community looks like here at Crossridge. And he blessed me with countless mentors, such as Simon Collard, Al, Jerry, Kobe, Kiefer, Pastor George, Pastor John, and Pastor Mark. Then COVID-19 struck. Like many others, I started to grow apart from the Lord. To make matters worse, a beloved mentor of mine left our church, clouding my vision even further. As the pandemic continued to extend, Mr. Al Gaines pulled me aside on a Sunday morning and told me, listen here, young man, God has put in my heart to tell you that you have the potential to be a great youth pastor. But in my mind, I got scared and I thought to myself, I will never be a slave to God. I am in control, I choose my own path. But little did I know that Al Gaines had planted a seed in my mind. So like Jonah, I thought to myself, I'm going to run away from God. And so I ran away and went back to my old youth group. And oh boy, does God have a sense of humor. (laughs) The place where I ran away to seeking refuge became the place that helped water the seed that God had planted through Al Gaines. And so the tiny seed that had been planted started to grow and grow each passing day until one day I grew weary of the path I had chosen. That is when God finally revealed to me the truth. I had always been a slave, not to him though, but my own desires, my own sins. He made me realize that I am nothing without him. And with him, I am complete. I am free. Before I get off the stage, I would like to say this. I understand I'm still young and that I may not be able to teach many of you much of anything, but I think this is important for all of us to remember. God will mess up your plans, but his plans are better. And when God closes one door, he opens countless others. So let go and let God do his work, because trust me, you will not win. But better yet, when you listen, anything is possible through him. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, as you can tell, he's uh, got an amazing future ahead. God's going to use him in big, big ways. The reason why I wanted Danny to come up here and share is because this is a celebration not just for Danny and his family, but we're all family. This is a celebration for all of us. This is something for us to rejoice in, because each one of us, in a small way, has had a part in God's work in Danny's life over these past years, and so this is a reason for us to pray for him. We need to commit to pray for him. It's a reason for us to encourage him every chance we get when you see him here over the next month or so, uh, before he goes away to college, encourage him, let him know you're praying for him. And uh, this is a a great opportunity for us to celebrate what God is doing in our church family. As you know, one key sign of a healthy church family is God raising up people in the church and calling them to full-time Christian service for him. And so we see that happening once again with Danny. So let's bow in prayer. I want to ask uh, his father, our CRC and Espanol pastor, I'm going to Pastor Daniel, if he would uh, pray a blessing over Danny. Let's all bow in prayer uh, and let's join in prayer uh, for Danny and what God has in store for him.
2: Oh my goodness, I don't know how I'm going to be doing this. Um, I'm going to pray in Spanish because this is the language of my heart. <laughs> oh Lord, uh, thank you for this opportunity. Uh, Eighteen years ago, my wife and I, we pray for Danny when we present him into the church. And I remember uh, our petition. Use him for your glory and for your honor. Use him to preach the gospel and tell others about Jesus. And now, here we are. Use him for your glory, Lord. Gracias, Señor, por la bendición de ver a Daniel escuchar tu voz. Y te pido en el nombre de Jesús que lo uses para tu gloria. Gracias, Padre, por la bendición de tener un hijo como él. En el nombre de Jesús, amén.
0: Amen and amen. Let's give Danny a hand again. I tell you, every day uh, for us as followers of Jesus Christ is an opportunity for us to say, Go, God, go. Amen? Amen? Go, God, go. Say that with me. Go, God, go. Again. Go, God, go. God is at work in our lives, and it's exciting To be a part of all that he's doing i want to invite you to open your bibles to me to galatians chapter three we are starting our study through chapter three this morning paul finished his conversation and confrontation with peter at the end of chapter two paul will now continue his conversation with the believers in the churches in galatea starting here in chapter three We know through our study already of Galatians that Paul was not afraid to confront people in love. Paul confronted the believers in the churches in Galatea at the beginning of chapter 1. Paul confronted the false teachers and the Judaizers throughout chapter 1 and chapter 2. Paul confronted Peter, the other Jewish Christians in Antioch, including Barnabas, at the end of chapter 2. And so we see in each of these examples, Paul proved that he was an apostle of God. He wanted to please God by his obedience to God. Paul was a God pleaser, not a people pleaser. And this is our calling and challenge as followers of Jesus Christ. We're to be God pleasers, not people pleasers. The good news is when we please God... Everything seems to work out in our lives. As Solomon said in Proverbs 16 and verse 7, when a person's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. And so we're going to continue now in our study in Galatians chapter 3 as we move into this fantastic passage for us this morning. Paul wrote these words beginning in verse 1, you foolish Galatians who cast a spell on you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Remember, Paul, once again, is surprised, and he's expressing his surprise, that these believers are turning away from God to follow the false teachers. Paul already had shared in chapter 1, if you want to look at chapter 1 real quick, in verse 6, Paul wrote, I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel these believers in these churches that Paul knew and loved were in the process of defecting away from the truth. They were in the process of turning away from God and turning to the false teachers. And so Paul addresses them once again, and he says, you foolish Galatians. Now, foolish here in this context does not mean that Paul was calling them uh, dumb or ignorant. What foolish means here in the context of this passage is they were being unwise they did not understand what paul was saying here is that they were not using their spiritual discernment they were not thinking biblically they weren't not thinking carefully they weren't thinking wisely he said you foolish galatians who has cast a spell on you cast a spell means who has bewitched you who has befuddled you Who has confused you? Paul asked this simple question, Who has muddied the spiritual waters so much for you that you are no longer thinking biblically? Who has confused you to the point that you are willingly turning away from God to follow the false teachers? And we know the answer to the question, who, and the answer is Satan. He had used these false teachers and Judaizers to lure and lead these believers away from God to follow after their false teaching. And so Paul, once again, is confronting these believers. He said, you foolish Galatians, who has cast a spell on you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? Paul reminded them that he taught them God's truth, Paul taught them over and over again. Jesus Christ came to this earth. He lived a perfect life. He was tempted as we are, yet he never sinned. Jesus Christ went to the the cross in our place, paying the price for our sin. He shed his blood for us on the cross of Calvary to provide us with forgiveness of sin. He was buried in the tomb. On the third day, Jesus Christ rose again, victorious over sin and death for us. He then appeared to his disciples and followers over a period of 40 days. And then he ascended into heaven in Bethany, just outside of Jerusalem, to sit at the right hand of the throne of God. Paul was emphasizing to them in this first verse that through his preaching and teaching ministry, he so clearly and consistently and confidently preached the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, preached the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that it was as if they saw before their own eyes Jesus Christ crucified. He said, how is it that Jesus Christ, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed? Publicly portrayed means that Paul, in essence, was posting notices, posting signs. He was posting billboards that highlighted the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, that highlighted the gospel. He was posting these signs in their towns and in their churches. Paul, when he went to the church in Corinth, Told them when I came to you, I decided to know nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Once again, here in this first verse, Paul is letting them know that his emphasis of his preaching and teaching ministry was on the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the gospel message. The reason Paul emphasized the crucifixion was so that it would serve as a constant reminder to these believers of the way that they are able to get to God is through faith in Jesus, not by works. Faith in Jesus is the way to God, not works. And so he continually taught And preach the crucifixion of Christ, an event in the past that has continuing effects in the present, in the perfect tense, to help them to remember, to remind them day after day, the way to God is through faith in Jesus, not by works for Jesus. And Paul understood, he realized, he was reminding these believers, they heard the word of truth, they believed the word of truth. They received the word of truth. They placed their faith in Jesus. They served God in their local churches that Paul and Barnabas had planted in those churches in southern Galatea. They were serving God together. The problem was this that he's addressing here in these first verses in chapter 3. These believers were distracted. They were not focused on God. They got distracted from God. They were not focused on God, and so they began to drift away from God. And because they weren't focused on God, they were turning away from God and following the false teachers. They were actually turning away from God's gospel of grace in Christ Jesus to a message of works such as circumcision and obedience to the Old Testament law As the way to God. Paul knew these believers knew better. Paul quite honestly was surprised that they did not immediately recognize and reject the false teaching outright. But instead, they were listening to it. Instead, they weren't just listening to it, they were beginning to follow it. Why? Because they were not focused on God. They were not focused on the truth of the Word. This is a challenge for us today. As you know, I'm sure you can share testimony. I know I can share testimony. It doesn't take long for us to get distracted from the Lord. It doesn't take long for us to get out of focus on the truth of God's Word for us to begin to drift further and further away from God. And there are plenty of reasons why it's easy for us to get distracted from God. And so Paul, here in this passage, he asked these believers, and you're going to see this in these verses, a series of questions. He asked them some very easy rhetorical questions so that he could, by these questions, Somehow, some way, be used by God to wake them up from their spiritual slumber. He wanted to wake these believers in these churches up, get them focused back on God and the truth of His Word. And so we continue in verse 2. We'll find the second question of verse 2. Paul said this I only want to learn this from you Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Notice Paul here in verse 2, he got right to the point. He says, I I only have one question. I I just want to hear one answer. I want to know one thing. I want to learn this one thing from you. And then he asked them the question here in verse 2. Notice Paul appealed to their salvation experience in his efforts to try to wake them up spiritually, to try to snap them back into spiritual reality, to try to get them to turn back to God and turn away from those false teachers that they were following. He asked them a simple question, did you receive the Spirit? He said, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Did you receive the Spirit? I want you to see four quick points about Paul's question in verse 2. Four quick points. The first point is this, Paul's question meant, were you saved by faith in Jesus or works? That's what his question meant. That's a simple question. Were you saved by faith in Jesus or by works? Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Secondly, Paul's question showed that he believed that these believers were saved. He said, did you receive the Spirit? Were you saved by faith in Jesus or by works? It was not if they were saved that he was focused on in this question. He was trying to remind them of how they were saved. He already acknowledged and implied in this question that they were saved. He believed they were saved. He was trying to remind them of the process of their salvation. The third point is Paul gave them the answer to his question in the question. Notice, look, Paul said, did you receive the Spirit? Did you what? Okay, let's do that again one more time. Did you what? Yes. Say, receive. Did you receive the Spirit? Here's the answer in the question to the question. We receive salvation from God as a gift from God by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. We do not earn salvation by our works for God. And so even in his question, he's given them the answer and he's helping to move them back towards truth. The fourth point is Paul taught them God's truth in this question did you receive the spirit paul was teaching them what he had already taught them and that is simply this when god saves us by his grace through our faith in christ jesus he places his holy spirit in us as paul said in ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 in him you were sealed with the promised holy spirit when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation and when you believed paul reminded these believers When they received God's gift of salvation by God's grace through their faith in Jesus, God placed his Holy Spirit in their lives. They were sealed into God's family by the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit is the one who helps these believers live God's way. The Holy Spirit is the one who helps us live God's way. Paul was actually affirming and pointing out that the evidence of their salvation in Christ Jesus was the presence of the Spirit of God dwelling in them. And so he asked this question. He continues in verse 3 with this line of thinking. He said, are you so foolish after beginning by the Spirit, are you now finishing by the flesh? He continued to confront them with these questions. He said, are you so, are now so foolish? Are you so confused? Are you so spiritually unaware? Have you become so misguided spiritually that you actually are believing that you started out in God's family by faith in Jesus, but now you are going to grow in God's family, and you are going to be accepted by God and his family by the works of your flesh. See, what was going on was what Paul had written about already in chapter 2. These false teachers were spying on the freedom these believers had in Christ Jesus in order to enslave them. These false teachers did not want these believers in these churches to embrace their freedom in Jesus and to enjoy living for Jesus by the power of Jesus. They taught because they wanted these believers to think that the way to God, the way to know God, the way to grow in God, the only way to be accepted by God is by your works for God. This is a lie, We know this because there's no amount of good works that we can do that would ever allow us to be accepted by God which was why these false teachers were teaching this false message because they wanted to enslave these believers. They didn't want them free in Christ. No, they wanted them to be enslaved to their works and that cycle of discouragement and frustration and despair because when you believe in works is the way to get to God, when you believe in we're accepted by God, by our works for God, we can't ever do enough good works for God. And so we get into this cycle of discouragement and despair because we continue to fail to hit the mark because it's impossible. And so what Paul is doing is he's reminding these believers and us today that our salvation and our sanctification, our salvation, our sanctification, our growth in Christ, our faith in Christ, and our growth in our faith in Christ is by faith in Jesus, not by works. As Paul told the believers in Philippi, I am sure of this, I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God... Is the one who begins his good work of salvation in us by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus and God is the one who continues it in and through us day by day he's the one who makes us more and more like Jesus by the presence and power of his Holy Spirit in us and he's going to continue doing that until we spend eternity with Jesus face to face now God did not say this I have saved you by my grace to your faith in Christ Jesus but now here's the way this is going to work from this point forward you got to work your way to me. you got to earn your way to me because I'm going to grade you, and if you don't do enough good works, then I'm going to take away your salvation. So good luck. Hope it works out well for you. I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be grading you on your own. Don't mess up. He doesn't say that. You see, what Paul is reminding these believers of, to think that you, are in, you enter God's family by faith, and then you fulfill God's call by works, is incorrect thinking. We know this, that quickest way to frustration, failure, and fatigue in the Christian life is trying to live for Jesus by our power instead of his. That's the quickest way to frustration. Listen, the secret to the abundant life in Christ Jesus. Jesus came to give us life abundant. The secret to the abundant life in Christ Jesus is not found in in being better, doing more, and trying harder. The secret to the abundant life in Christ Jesus is in and through Christ Jesus. We surrender to Jesus day by day, and he empowers us to live his way. This is why Paul said, I can do all things through him, through Christ who strengthens me. That's why he said that words. I can do all things through him. Who gives me strength? So he was reminding these believers listen, we need God's help to live God's way. We need God's help to know Jesus. We need God's help to grow in Jesus. We need God's help to live for Jesus, which is exactly why Paul was reminding them that God places His Holy Spirit in us at the moment of our salvation so that we can become more like Jesus, so that we can live out our faith and trust in Jesus so that we can be effective ministers and witnesses for Jesus by the Holy Spirit at work in us. He's calling these believers back to truth. They're distracted. They're unfocused. They're being duped and led away by these lies, this false message. He continues in verse 4. And he said, did you experience so much for nothing, if in fact it was for nothing? He said, did you experience so much for nothing? And what he's sharing here is he was reminding them once again of all that they went through to come to faith in Christ by God's grace. All they went through. For the Gentile believers, that would mean coming out of a life of sin and debauchery and selfishness and all of the, the, the worship of uh, the polytheistic communities there, the many different gods coming to Christ would mean to accept the one true almighty God. For the Jewish Christians that would mean coming out of legalism and all of the, the, those, the, the Jewish uh, traditions and laws that we see in the Old Testament and understanding and realizing that Jesus is the Savior and placing their faith in Christ Jesus. And he's saying, he's reminding them who, who's listening, to those in these churches who are listening to Jews and Gentiles that have come together in Christ Jesus. Did you experience so much for for nothing? Did you go through all that you went through, all of the struggles, all of the highs, the lows, the blessings, the challenges, the trials, the persecutions, the temptations, the tribulations, the victories of God working in your life? Did you go through all of that when you received God's gift of salvation by his grace through your faith in Christ Jesus? Did you go through all of that for nothing? H- has that not meant anything to you? Paul was surprised that they were so easily and willingly turning away from faith in Jesus to works for Jesus as the way to God. He was surprised that they were willingly exchanging truth for false teaching, grace for works, freedom for bondage. And so he continues calling them, and he says in verse five and verse six, "So then, does God give you the spirit? And work miracles among you by your doing the works of the law? Or is it by believing what you heard? Just like Abraham, who believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. Now, if you notice here in verse 5, it looks similar to verse 2. The question Paul asked in verse 5 is similar to the question Paul asked in verse 2. The question in verse 2 is from a receiving perspective, the question in verse 5 is from a giving perspective. The question in verse 2 was, did you receive the Spirit? The question in verse 5 was, did God give you His Spirit? The good news is the answer is one and the same to both questions in both verses from both perspectives. We received God's Holy Spirit by God's grace through our faith and trust in Christ Jesus. God has given us His Spirit by His grace through our faith and trust in Christ Jesus. Paul was again reaffirming once again to these believers that our righteousness, our salvation, our justification is by faith in Jesus, not by works. He asked them, so then did God give you his spirit? Were you saved by the works of the law that you were doing or... Was it by believing what you heard? The obvious answer is they were saved. They received God's Spirit. They were saved by believing what they heard. And what they heard was God's gospel of grace to us in Christ Jesus. And so he was reminding them of this point to help redirect them, to help encourage them, to help them refocus on the truth of God's Word and all that God had for them. And then he even took it a step further In an amazing way, this was just genius for Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God to share what he shared beginning in verse 6 because he shared with these believers as another piece of evidence for what he was sharing with them that justification by faith was actually taught in the Old Testament. So he went right after this works idea through the legalism. Of these false teachers. And he goes directly out of it. And he says, Hey, listen, by the way, justification by faith was actually taught in the Old Testament. He said, Abraham, Abraham believed God. And it was credited to him by God for righteousness. What he's saying was, Abraham was right with God by his faith in God. And so what Paul. Is doing here is he is sharing with these believers and with us once again our salvation and our sanctification our faith in jesus and our growth in jesus are gifts of god's grace and god's supernatural miracle working power at work in us in christ jesus this has always been true He shared as a reference back to the Old Testament and Abraham. This is true, and this will always be true. The truth of the matter is God's grace is amazing. It's called amazing because it is. God's grace is amazing. We know this. We see this. We don't just sing about the amazing grace of God in the words to that amazing hymn. We actually know and experience the amazing grace of God in our lives, in our relationships. Amen? God's grace. It's basically, and he was emphasizing this. Guys, do not, do not fall prey to that false teaching. Don't turn away from grace and give in to the legalism of works of the law. So, what is our takeaway today? What is our application? What can we take from this today and apply in our lives? But then also, what can we take from this today and use in our ministries of those God's placed around us? We, as all, we share all the time. We're, we're ministers. We know this. We're followers of Jesus. That means we're ministers for Jesus. We've got congregations that God wants us to take this truth to today and this week. And so what is the takeaway? What's some things that we can take and use in our ministry, in our lives, so that we are able to avoid the challenges and the traps that these believers were actually falling into? Well, let's look at a few of these uh, application points. The first is we must focus on God. We must stay focused on God and His Word. We must focus on God's Word. The problem here with these believers was simple this. They weren't focused on God and His Word. And because of this, they were turning away from God. As Paul has shared already, because they weren't focused on God's Word, they were turning away from God, and they were living foolishly rather than faithfully. They had begun living foolishly rather than faithfully. Now, for you and for me, we understand that there's false teaching today that we've got to be aware of, and there's many other distractions that we've got to be aware of. There's an endless number of distractions in our lives that we face today that all serve the same purpose that our enemy would love, and that is to distract us and to turn us away from God and His Word so that we too would then live foolishly rather than faithfully because once we get distracted from God and His Word, we begin to drift from God and the truth of His Word. We are foolish when we turn away from God and His Word. We're foolish when we try to live for God in our strength rather than His We're foolish when we think we know better than God. We're foolish when we choose to disobey God. We're foolish when we seek to please people rather than God. We're foolish when we just completely turn away from the word of God. You see, focusing on God's word helps us to live faithfully, not foolishly. Focusing on God's word helps us to know and follow God's will. Focusing on God's Word helps us to grow in our faith in Jesus. Focusing on God's Word helps us to love one another like Jesus. Focusing on God's Word helps us to be used by Jesus in His work, in our lives, and in those around us. It's so important for us to be reminded this morning that we must stay focused on God and the truth of His Word. As Peter later said, Peter understood this. As Peter later said, be alert. And be sober-minded, for your adversary, your enemy, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, while knowing that your brothers and sisters around the world are also suffering the same kind of challenges. They're also standing firm in their faith by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in them. We must be alert spiritually. We must be sober-minded. We must keep our heads up spiritually, our eyes open to the many different distractions that can come into our lives and try to cloud our focus on the Lord and His Word. We must stay focused on this Word because this Word is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. This Word will guide and direct our steps. This Word is tested, tried, and true. It never returns void. It always accomplishes God's plans and purposes that He has set for it. And so we must discipline ourselves on a daily basis to stay focused on God's Word. Not just on Sunday mornings, not just for uh, an hour or two on Sundays on the weekend. No, we need to stay focused on God's Word throughout each day, throughout the week, so that we can continue to know and follow His will for our lives. God's at work in us, and through us, and around us. And we're able to see His work as we stay focused on Him and the truth of His Word. The second application point is we must fill our minds with God's Word. We must fill our minds with God's Word. Reading God's Word, studying God's Word, obeying God's Word, memorizing God's Word is a must for us. As we focus on God's Word, that's a great first step, but then we need to take that next step and we need to fill our minds with God's Word. The more we get in God's Word, the more God's Word gets in us. And when God's Word gets in us, it goes through us to those around us. And I know you know this as well as I do. Every word in this Word is God's Word to you and me. Amen? Every word in this word is God's word to you and me. God's word is his truth for you and for me. God's word is more than enough for you and for me. God's word will help us stay focused on God. God's word will help us to follow him by faith. We must fill our minds with God's word. As we've seen throughout scripture, We know the process that God has created for us as followers of Jesus Christ is we think, we feel, we act. It all begins with the mind. It begins where that that battlefield of spiritual warfare, it's fought in our minds. And so we need to fill our minds with God's Word. Because when we fill our minds with God's Word, we're able to think the way God wants us to think, and then we're able to feel the way God wants us to feel, and then we're able to do and say the things God wants us to do and say. It all begins in the mind, which is why we we must focus on God's word, but we also must fill our minds with God's word. Because when we fill our minds with God's word, we receive His truth for our lives. God's word tells me I am created in his image. God's word tells me I have been saved by his grace. God's word tells me I am filled with his spirit. God's word tells me I am a member of his forever family in Jesus. God's word tells me I am chosen in Christ Jesus. God's word tells me I have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus. God's word tells me I am loved unconditionally by Jesus. God's word tells me I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. God's word tells me I am an overcome. In Christ Jesus. God's word tells me I am a victor, not a victim in Christ Jesus. God's word tells me I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone and the new has come. God's word tells me I am right with him in Christ Jesus. God's word tells me I am free in Jesus, not because of who I am. God's word tells me I am free in Jesus, not because of what I've done. God's word tells me I am free in Jesus because of what Jesus Christ has done for me on the cross of Calvary. You see, God's Word tells me if I confess my sin, He's faithful and just, and He'll forgive me of my sins and cleanse me of all my unrighteousness. God's Word tells me if I call to Him, He will answer me, and He will show me great and unsearchable things that I wouldn't otherwise have known. God's Word tells me when I remain in Him, He's going to remain in me, and I'll be able to bear much fruit, because apart from Christ Jesus, I can do nothing. God's Word tells me He will meet all my needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. God's Word tells me His name is a strong testimony. Power, and I can run to it and find safety. God's word tells me as to what time I'm afraid I will trust in him because God's word tells me I have not received a spirit of fear to many I've received a spirit of power of love and of a sound mind. You see God's word tells me he is the Son and shield. He bestows favor and honor and no good thing will he ever withhold from those whose walk is blameless God's word tells me that he loves me and that he is with me every step of my way every single day God's Word tells me that I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. God's Word tells me His grace is sufficient for me and His power is perfected in my weakness. Therefore, I know that I can boast all the more gladly on my weaknesses because that's when Christ's power rests most clearly on me. You see, God's Word tells me that no one or nothing can separate God's love for me in Christ Jesus. You see, we need to know God's Word, and we need to believe God's Word, and we need to walk in God's Word day by day. We need to fill our minds with God's Word. What we need to know and believe is what God says to us and what God says about us in His Word, because what God says to us and about us is more important than what anybody else says, than anybody else. Amen. Amen. You see, when we are filling our minds with God's word, we are blessed by God's word. And as we fill our minds with God's word, when all those distractions press in around us, when all those hurts and stresses crash in on us, we are able to stand firm undergirded the truth of God's Word, the power of His his Spirit, and we're able to continue persevering in our faith in Christ Jesus. You see, we need to focus on God's Word. We need to fill our minds with God's Word. And then, as Paul was saying in these verses, we need to walk by the Spirit. We need to walk by the Spirit. He's told us this morning, we receive the Spirit by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. God has given us His Spirit by His grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. So we need to walk by the Spirit. God knows we need His help. He created us. He saved us. He's filled us with the Spirit because He knows we need His help to know Jesus, to grow in Jesus, to live for Jesus. He's He's given us His help and His Holy Spirit. And so we are to walk by the Spirit. We're to keep in step with the Spirit. We're to live His way. That just simply means we surrender each day to Jesus and He empowers us to live his way. He empowers us to follow him by faith. He empowers us to walk in obedience to the truth of his word, in his strength, for his glory. Because the psalmist was right, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory, because of your love and faithfulness. Great is the Lord, and most worthy of praise, His greatness, no one can fathom. Therefore, let everything and everyone that has breath praise the Lord. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team's gonna come and lead in this time of response to the Lord. God's speaking, he's moving. I know this, you know this. So I'm just gonna encourage you to Respond in obedience to the Lord. The altar is open as it always is. Maybe you want to just come and kneel and cry out to the Father and and ask for His strength to refocus on Him and His Word or to ask for that discipline needed to to fill your mind with His Word or just to to come and to recommit to walk Him by the Spirit. Maybe you just want to come and kneel and praise Him for His blessings, His work in your life. Or maybe it's just to cry out to Him for your needs or maybe you want to come and bring a brother or sister Cry out to the Father on behalf of them for their needs. Our pastors will be standing here at the front. They'd love to pray with you, pray for you. We'd also love the opportunity to introduce you to Jesus. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, if you are one who says, you know what, I've always thought that my good works will ultimately be enough to get me to God, then as you've heard this morning, that's a faulty assumption. It's a faulty belief. Because no matter how many good works you are able to do, and and I'm sure you can do many, whatever that number may be, it's not enough. Because God's standard is perfection, and we've fallen woefully short. And so God sent his perfect son to take our place on the cross, to pay our price for sin so that we might be able to be reconciled to God, that we could be brought back into a relationship with God by His grace through our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So let's stand and let's respond in obedience to the Lord as we worship Him.